Welcome back to Queer Horror Cult. Yeah, welcome back here on the second week of Women in Horror Month. We have a, a themed episode for you. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, we started planning into the month. Yeah. Rather yeah. than for the month. Yeah, we're sort of flying by the seat of our pants a little bit. but that's we do. That's just how we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you done anything exciting to celebrate Women in Horror Month? Fuck no. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to, to stay alive. That's a worthy goal. That made it sound a lot more bleak than it actually is, but that's... Yeah. The, don't worry about me. Yeah, just I'm think, good. just think, like, you know, horror movie. That's a lot of women in horror. Their, their goal is My to stay alive. My life is a horror movie, so... Yeah, word. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, there has been no, there's been nothing, um, to celebrate the month by any yeah. means. I'm just, I'm just here. Yeah, just here. How about you? Pretty much just what we've been watching is the kind of thing. Like, you know me, I, uh, as per usual, I, I managed to knock in a couple jolly mm-hmm. over the start of the month, and I always love those for strong female characters. Oh, yeah. Although, you know, picking a fairly misogynistic genre <laughs> from, from Italy in the 70s and being like, ah, yes, women in horror month uh, is mm. a little bit of a stretch. I love feminism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, mostly just what we've been watching for, for this, uh show which i'd say counts i like well. all the content i've been seeing coming up online mm-hmm. that's been that's been nice uh because it feels like it the hashtag for it starts trending along among like horror twitter and horror mm-hmm. film twitter and yeah. all that fun stuff yeah so that's pretty cool don't really have the like i don't really have it in me to participate very directly right now but but i love to see it love yeah, to watch it love to see it maybe next year um, I guess it'll be over by the time this recording goes up, but I'm seeing all the stuff going on from uh, Final Girls Berlin Film Festival. Oh, yes. Which I was able to attend last year. Yeah, we having, did an episode from it. Having all the FOMO this year. Yeah, oh my god, it, it hurts to see. Like, I love it. I'm so glad that it's expanding and it looks so cool, but it hurts to not be there. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, maybe next year. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, so last year, for we kicked off Women in Horror Month with, I believe we did Revenge. Because mm-hmm. we, well, we, we, we were doing sort of the combo being Women in Horror Month and also Black History Month. Yeah, we did. Um, I can't remember what we chose. Oh, was. Was wait, first... yeah, sorry. I, I was thinking of, because um, we, we did we did movies like black exploitation and stuff involving revenge, too. Yep, we did that episode. But, yeah, but no, you're thinking of like the woman, we did, the uh, women where... slumber party massacre. Yeah, revenge, like the... Uh, Miss 45. What they're getting revenge for was mis- misogynistic acts yeah, of action right. from men. Ugh. <laughs> it's going to be a bit of a mushmouth episode, I feel. But yeah, we decided to continue that trend, but we didn't want to just retread old ground because that episode was a year ago, and I mean, I guess we could spend the 45 minutes or whatever to listen to it again, but we've got things this to do too much with effort. our time. Yeah, so <laughs> we're just going to assume we're not retreading old ground, and if we are, think of it as like a nice family reunion. Mm-hmm. But to make things a little different, we decided to dig into some great Japanese revenge movies. Mm-hmm. These, uh, this was a genre or a subgenre or a geographical mm-hmm. portion of film that you haven't seen a ton of. Definitely not. Because I know most of the Japanese movies that we've watched together have been along the lines of, like, Dark Water mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, sort of more general J-horror. Yeah, Asadako versus Kayako. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, although that, you know, two stand out strong female characters. I mean, I figure women that's, in that's a pretty appropriate women in horror mm-hmm. month uh, movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... I remember last year, at one point, I was watching through a series of movies that you were overhearing, 
and you seem to be really digging what you heard to the point where the theme song just got its hooks in your brain. And I recognize the theme song, and I'm pretty sure I recognized it from Kill Bill. Oh, that would not surprise mm-hmm. me for a second. But yes, every once so, in a while it gets stuck in my head. I'm like, how do I know this? <laughs> so I figured it would be a good one to throw in for this episode. And mm-hmm. we kicked things off with Female Prisoner number 701, Scorpion. This is a pretty dope movie. It is the best movie. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you mentioned Quentin Tarantino and, well, you mentioned Kill Bill. So yes. by extension. Because both this movie and one of the other movies that we'll discuss a little later, Sex and Fury, mm-hmm. um fucking tarantino wishes like <laughs> yeah. just there were so many times where uh, yeah we were watching it and something would happen and we just like like yo you have tarantino fucking wishes man yeah like this one definitely had the blood geysers that you'd see in part one of kill bill and mm-hmm. all that like um there's a part where a guard gets clubbed in the back of the head with the stock of a rifle yeah. there's a pause and then it's like a sprinkler shooting fake <laughs> blood coming out of the back of his head it's and beautiful it's that technicolor like garish blood that you see mm-hmm. in, in uh, 70s movies that you'd love to see in 70s yeah, movies yeah it's just uh it's not realistic but it's like hyper color gore coming mm-hmm. out of them and you just love it okay so female prisoner 701 what have we got here we have matsu and yuki matsu and yuki yeah the beginning i said matsu like matsu, matsu ball soup, soup. Oh, I was going to say, I'm like, I'm like uh, my sister's friend's grandma's dog. We know it's Matsuko, not Matsu. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> tangent aside, they are on the run from prison guards having escaped prison and are unfortunately caught, Yeah. put in solitary. And uh, so this, this female prisoner, number 701, mm-hmm. is, she has the most, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, when, when she, they, they hate her guts. They By do, they, yeah. I mean, like, the, the, the guards, the guards but even and the a lot of the prisoners, the... yeah, the bootlegger prisoners. You yeah. see that for sure with, um... The ones in orange? There's, yeah, orange is the new black. It's like, <laughs> we've got all the prisoners in blue. And I love their prison garb. They're these long night shirts that have bands of bleach on. They look almost like a weird tie-dye prison outfit. It's fucking great. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like very stripey, 70s. and it's, it's, yeah, they're kind of good. No, they're very good. And so they are being, you know, super torturous and shitty and they, to, um, to Scorpion, to Matsu. And, but she just goes, she, she goes into this zone where she just looks completely dissociated while they're just doing atrocities to her body. And then at the most opportune moment, she like, you know, pulls out the rug from under somebody who's carrying a boiling pot of soup that they're trying to torture her with. Or she like you know, whips out a shank and tries to, like, stab someone. Like, it's amazing. I love the soup one because it's just, like, she scalds the shit out of someone with miso soup. And yeah. that just makes me so happy. And then they're, like, and she's fucking, like, shibari hogtied on the yeah. ground, pulls it out with, like, her teeth. And then after, they're interrogating her, and they're, like, how did you burn her with the soup? We know you did it. Yeah. And she's just, like, not well, saying any. She's so stoic. Well, two things already that spring to mind. One is, like you mentioned, the shibari hogtie mm-hmm. and the um, sort of torture that she undergoes. Much like the 70s movies from Italy, I kind of feel like there's a bit too much misogynistic glee in some of these movies. Yeah. Like, when you're watching them from the, uh, like, I, I think a lot of, like, Japanese gore movies that went into the 80s, too. Like, Evil Dead Trap, for example, is great, but they really revel in the um, misogynistic violence in kind mm-hmm. of an uncomfortable way. And... This there's sexual violence too. Yes. And it's uncomfortable to sit through. Yep. 
I don't know. I felt like it wasn't as hard-hitting as, say, some of the Rape Revenge movies that would come along in the later 70s. Yeah. But it didn't make for pleasant watching it no. on the same token. But then going from there, you mentioned association. And now that I actually know a little secondhand psychology because of you, <laughs> it's funny how much more that scene read when I was watching it compared to the first time I saw this movie. Right. Yeah, because she just, she just, it's like she leaves her body and just like, is like, okay, this is going to happen. I am going to endure it. And then when my moment strikes, I'm back and I'm in yeah. it. And, you know, you do what you got to do to survive. But the fact that she's, she, I, yeah, she just has, she's so stoic. I just keep coming yeah. back to that word. Like she just. In like everything she does. Everything. But then you have these little moments where another female prisoner will like show some compassion or something and she'll her face will change and she'll soften a bit and she'll be kind of like you know rather than like staring off into nothing yeah. just existing she, all of a sudden she's like not that there are times where she's like glaring at people and it's very uh-huh. like severe and amazing but a lot of the times she's just kind of like staring off into nothing just performing these robotic kind of actions is the sense you get and then someone will do something more compassionate or caring for her and she'll like you can tell it really strikes her even though her face isn't very expressive right her eyes are i would say yeah. and just like it's she. They got such a good actress to play her, and oh, it's she, just, she's she perfect a for the role. Job. And she brings a lot of depth to it without having to say or do much necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, she does a ton, and it's amazing. But it's in very sort of like key moments rather than consistently throughout. She emotes well without it needing to be in the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, that evokes her nickname of Scorpion when you put it like that, where she's just so stoic and so like still and she almost seems checked out but she's always ready to strike kind yeah. of like the idea of a scorpion's tail mm-hmm. just uh it, its main form of attack is right there yeah and uh yeah so it's very apt nickname not just because she often used knives to stab the right. blood out of people and some glorious glorious scenes oh my god yeah <laughs> her backstory in this is like, you really want her to get revenge. Yes. Even though the way the movie starts, it doesn't even seem like she's in a position to get revenge. Because she's in fucking prison. She's in prison yeah. and she's and separated. Foiled and, and, and her, yeah. like, foiled escape attempt. Yeah. And she's, like, separated from the backstory villain. And she yeah. has this prison warden villain that's more immediate of a threat. So it's mm-hmm. almost like the movie does a double shift on who she needs to get revenge against. Totally. Yeah, backstory was fucking brutal, though. Yeah, no kidding. Like, the dude was a piece of shit. And and one thing I thought was uh, interesting about this was uh, she's used by the cops in a really abusive way. Yes. Where essentially he manages to arrange for her to be in a situation where she's raped. Yeah. Like, he, he gets her... I don't mean, like, be in a situation like, haha, therefore it's your fault. But he, no. like, purposely puts her... Knowing full well knowing what's going to happen. happen. And then and then after when he comes in, he's like, oh, yes, my plan went entirely to plan. Like, yeah. according to plan. Yeah. And he's just like, not only can I get you criminals for, for robbery, but I can now book you for rape as well. Yeah. And it's like, he used her in this really fucking disregarding way. Disgusting, that, like, like, cynical, just means to an end, completely yeah. objectified... Like, yeah. And at that moment, it really sort of, I thought this moment uh, right afterward shows her lying on the glass floor where the scene took place. Mm-hmm. was a great example of the style of these movies. Yes. And because there's what we would classically call Argento <laughs> lighting kicks right. off. The where red and blue. Um, as she's lying there, the ground like glows red and she glows blue yeah. or like the other way around. Because it's, very, it's, it's yeah. like glass ground yeah. almost. And yeah, it's, it's really cool visually. These movies are really impressionistic. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when she's telling this backstory or when we get the flashback to what happened, 
happened to her that landed her in prison. The camera's sort of like dark, and so her silhouette in the background, in the foreground, goes dark. Mm-hmm. And then we see these big like theater curtains in the background, and like a club scene is happening, but right. it's very disparate. Like it's a uh, you have the tables, you have a couple people milling around like waiters, and then it's a big blue curtain kind mm-hmm. of thing. So it's not a realistic set or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Same with uh, when. Uh, the cop guy who set her up busts in to bust everybody. Right. He's laughing about his plan going perfectly. And then the set literally rotates. Like the set wall yeah, rotates very, like to show a different scene. It, it's perfect description. Yeah. It's theatrical. It's like you are watching the machinations of a play. Yeah. And um, makes me wish I knew more about theater history mm-hmm. in Japan. Because I know like shadow theater right. there and all that stuff. But all the masks. and it's the... yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where... I wonder, is this kind of tale, is this based on a strong theater? Right. Like, current theater? Like, you know, there's always, like, the Shakespearean tragedy out of the yeah. out of Western theater, right? Right. So it makes me wonder if there's an equivalent that we are sort of... That is why they would try and structure the movie to actually sort of look like a play at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah. Hmm. On the podcast where we never do our own research. <laughs> I guess we do. Yeah, we do sometimes. <laughs> we just also ask a lot of questions that afterwards it's like oh we should research that which would have thought of that sooner yeah there were some great prison set pieces in this one oh my god yes like uh the shower fight yes that is just beautiful fight and it shows the surrealistic nature of this but also hits it up against like exploitation cinema Mm -hmm. because it's a bunch of naked women yes it's a very women in prison yeah (laughs) yeah totally definitely female prisoners kind of thing yeah but with the fight going on uh, Scorpion manages to get the person who's attacking her with the the shiv to smash her face through this window, Ugh. and it disfigures her slightly. Like she's got the blood dripping down her face, and when she turns to look at the camera, there's make she's got like makeup applied to make her look more monstrous, like almost mm-hmm. like an Oni Baba demon face, right, on her face, and it's so hyper stylized. And she keeps that face right up until she accidentally stabs the warden in the fucking eye. <laughs> <laughs> That was great. Oh, you love it. You were definitely laughing hard at that bit. Yes, I was. I also loved the, um, when they send, they have, they have, uh, Scorpion in, in solitary and they send in an uh, undercover female prison guard to try oh and like, God. to try, you know, get, get her to talk right, kind of thing, that was to, this bond, movie. to bond oh with God. her or whatever. Cause she, she's, she's so stoic. She will not say a peep and that pisses them off so much. And what does what does Scorpion do? But she just like seduces her and like, oh my god, just leaves her like begging for more, begging to be sent back in with yeah. her. And then so the guards like, you didn't crack her, and they're just like, no, let me go back, please, please, let me try again. And they like in this really Gross. exploitation yeah. mo- movie moment, they open up her jacket and reveal like hickeys all over. Her yeah, body. <laughs> and they're like, we knew it, you troll up. Yeah, oh, I fucking <laughs> love that she just like. I've heard of gay for pay, but this is like gay for payback, and it's just Total- so fucking I love perfect. it, gay for payback, yeah. oh my god. Ugh. I'm also just sitting here being like, oh yeah, Matsu would be a bisexual, bisexual legend. Queen. A bicon of the highest degree. Mm-hmm. So that shit takes skill, man. <laughs> yeah, so plot-wise, for the most part, it kind of follows a typical women in prison movie but with an extra focus on like she's in solitary for most of her stint in prison Mm -hmm. in this movie so it's a lot of focus on the torture kind of thing yeah and it evoked for me like the idea of the pinky violence film which they were sort of like soft core to to 
as hardcore as you can get, get right. in Japan because I know they've got different censorship laws. Yes. But at least it was like softcore movies that were often, like they would be called roughies going oh, off of the like okay. 60s exploitation yeah. stuff back when we were talking that. Mm-hmm. But the ones that deal in rough violence mixed in with the sexual sexual yeah. stuff to like try and, like it, they're the rapiest kind yeah. of films I can think of because it blurs that line between is this supposed to be bad, which we would hope we're supposed to think it is, or are we supposed <laughs> to enjoy supposed this to sexual violence? Yeah. yeah. And so it kind of dips its toe in that without going full blown, but I, it's just that's kind of the film movement that this evoked in my mind Yeah. when I was uh, watching these. Right. Like, I know the second movie we watched, uh, the DVD collection it's from is from a pinky violence collection there you go like they released a bunch of these and there's a reason why this is the only one of those i have because <laughs> yeah as an exploitation fan even like willing to watch just about anything that's kind of where i draw my yeah. line that one's that's not for me it even made kind of made me think of um some of the like nazi exploitation ones that i've seen that totally. do the women in yeah, prison yeah. where it's again is the big focus on like the gratuitous torture often sexualized or like the first half of gestapo's last orgy yeah and, like, the first part of even, like, Salon Kitty. Yep. Uh, yeah, just... No, that's a good yeah. point, because I was thinking a uh, women in prison movie, but there was some... There's, like, an edge to it that was just a little bit beyond... I, I would say this one's not nearly as gratuitous or demoralizing yeah. as the Nazi exploitation ones, because, that's I true. mean, I just said Nazi exploitation, and, you know, that should kind of tell you the... Uh, Where the bar is set. Yeah. Yeah, the bar <laughs> is on the floor, but it's kind of embedded in the floor. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, like, you'll only find the bar when you rip up the carpet to put in hardwood. Exactly. I wonder if, like, every sort of, like, film, or at least if they're permissive enough, every sort of, like, uh, geographic film movement or film scene has their own version of this. Mm-hmm. Like, America has the women in prison movies that is, uh, and the roughies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the pinky violence movies out of Japan. Yeah. Italy, of course, had a slew of those Nazi exploitation movies. Yeah. Um, Canada got on the trend of that with Ilsa. Also, RIP Diane Thorne. She right. just passed away recently. I remember you, you recording told, this. Yeah. You were like, Ilsa She-Wolf died. And I was like, yeah. that sucks. And I was like, you really didn't have to specify the She-Wolf, I don't think. If you just told me Ilsa died, I would have known who you are talking about. I've been just as sad. But I, thank I, you for I being think, clear. I think I clarified just because I... Stumble over words sometimes, so and I very well like might have said Elsa died. And like a demon's hell, no! Yeah, so, no, but she's kind of like the queen bee of awful prison wardens. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I would say that I find female prisoner scorpion a lot. They kind of almost transcends the genre a bit, because mm-hmm. it's not nearly as gratuitous in a way that, like, it's not quite as uncomfortable while not letting it off the hook either. Yeah. Um, like, I found it easier to sit through this, but at no point did I think, like, oh, this is fine. Yeah. Like, I still had the feeling, like, this is gross shit, I cannot wait for the revenge. Yes. Um, whereas, I think a lot of the American counterparts, if they go easy enough, the movies just kind of become limp, because it's mm-hmm. like, that's all they're banking on as far as a movie, that there's nothing else there. Right. And so... Th- or is there they, a story here? Yeah, like, they get gratuitous enough that they hit their draw. Yeah. But that's a draw that I don't want to be a part of. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, no no judgment to connoisseurs of filth who maybe jump out at that, but I know for me, it's just not my... Preferred pound? <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to... What were you going to say? <laughs> oh, it's gone now. <laughs> oh, 
feel like I was trying to think of something, but you just jumped oh, on in there. Now I'm coughing my lungs. <laughs> this movie is also interesting because it moves beyond the women in prison aspect of it. Like, mm-hmm. it uh, turns into a full-blown out-in-the-streets revenge movie, and mm-hmm. we get some great revenge moments. Mm-hmm. How fucking stylish is Scorpion's fucking The most outfit. stylish. That hat she wears all the time when she's, like, not in prison and is, yeah. like, sufficiently escaped. I love how she just has these outfits stashed. Yeah. Like... That or she's really good at stealing. Yeah, she's, she's, um... she. I, I like to think she was raised by, like, a gang of drag queens in Baltimore, and they mm-hmm. would just, like, run up to the dorm and start smash the windows and take the totally. outfits out yeah, of Totally, yeah, ballroom scene and stuff yeah. in New York, yeah. That's how she was so good at the smash and grab and, like, mm-hmm. impeccable taste. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe it. So this one's kind of great because it gives us our cake and eats it, too. We can... <laughs> or we're allowed to eat it, too, yes. because uh, she manages to really fuck with the warden and undermine him at every turn. And then on top of that, she's able to go and and seek revenge on the dude who landed her in prison to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and got her raped and got her set up and just, yeah. like, completely betrayed her. Yeah. And uh, it almost turned to Jallo-esque in one moment because they had a big rooftop fight. Yes. And that reminded me of when we watched Death Walks at Midnight. Because mm-hmm. I've seen a bunch of... It seems very typical of a Jallo to end up on a rooftop or by a big old window. Mm-hmm. Just so we can have that dummy shot kind of thing. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't really get the dummy shot with this one. But we do have a pretty good outcome, though. We do have some great moments in yeah. there, yeah. I'm just thinking of the one guy who... I don't remember if it was this guy or not, but the one who ends up... Um, hanging from the window of his that, office. That, that, that was the, one of the, the hench- main revenge. That was one of yeah. the... Because she goes after a group all the guys, of, yeah. like all the guys who conspire to... to yeah, because it's, it's, it's like her, her her ex who set her up is a cop, but then he's in with like the Yakuza and yeah. stuff like... So it's all corrupt and all just like... Like, you know, he's on Marijuana Squad or whatever. Yeah, but Marijuana Squad. That was so fucking <laughs> funny. Yeah, all So antiquated. Like, like, I'm going to set you up to be raped. Yeah. Because I'm after some weed. Mm-hmm. Like, it just seemed like... And then, I mean, the guy's fucking pocket anyway. Like, everything about it was just like, what the Christ. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, the hanging the dude by the phone cord out the window, that was That's great. beautiful. You can tell we highly recommend this movie. Yes, we do. And I think uh, before we move on, one last thing to say is the music absolutely fucks. Yes. The mm-hmm. theme song is... The best. It's the best. I yeah. love it. And then I love how um, when we were watching it, by the time we were watching the sequel, uh, you were able to preempt the music stings because <laughs> they like recycled a lot of the same stuff. Yes. And there's just like this like danger music sting, and then like it, we'd get to see this about to do that, and you just go like you do go do 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 do. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like oh, it, it's almost like the movies are predictable in a way that's really good. Like, really it's really fulfilling, yeah. yes. It's just yeah. like, this is what I want out of this movie, and it fulfills that paying want. paying off, yeah. yes. And I think that's kind of, like, necessary for a good revenge movie. Totally. Otherwise, it just feels like it It just doesn't go far enough. Ooh, I'm doesn't... making a statement with my revenge movie about <laughs> the badness of revenge. Yeah, fuck off with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fine, make your statement, but I still want some sweet, sweet revenge. Yeah. I don't care if revenge is bad in in movie world. It's sweet and fulfilling yes. and delicious. When you uh, set out on a journey of revenge, 
dig two graves, but that should be because you cut the fucking dude in half and you're putting <laughs> him in both graves. Exactly. Yeah. But our next movie, um, this is like one of the earliest sort of Japanese revenge movies I've ever seen. Mm. I got this when I was a teenager who shouldn't be watching this filth. <laughs> no. Nope. This tawdry filth. Uh-oh. Uh, we watched Sex and Fury from 1973. And this is like the king shit of Tarantino wishes. Yes. Kind of like, absolutely. There are sequences straight out of Kill Bill in this. Yes. Except, except done naked. Done naked, yeah. Out in the snow, killing a bunch of fucking Yakuza-looking dudes mm-hmm. with swords while naked. After yeah. getting, like, busted out of the spot. Like, amazing. Yeah, she's, like, in the sauna thing. Yeah. Like, uh, or in the And they the said someone to kill her, and she yeah, just goes and house, kills and everybody. She just jumps out in slow motion, kills everybody. Yeah. In the snow. It's, like, the climactic sword fight. And she's fucking naked, like, titties bouncing around. Like, yeah. oh, my God, I would be so distracted. <laughs> and I think if I was doing that, I'd just be like, ow, ow. Mm, you just, that like, doesn't... one arm across I, the I chest. Would. And you're just like, hold up. I'd be like, where's my up. sports bra? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, kudos to her for pulling yeah. that off in, like, slow motion, too. It's yeah. just like, oh, my God. Just I'm just like, ouch. I'm, like, grabbing yeah. my chest. You're like, no. Uh, this one opens with a... Uh, uh, little prologue that sets mm-hmm. forth the revenge. The revenge in this is her father was... Grandfather was... Was it grandfather or father? I think it's her father. Oh, okay. He was just some old dude. Yeah. Gets uh, murdered by burglars, like muggers kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. three of them. Uh, rob him and murder him in the street and leave him to die. Uh, but... And she's of ways away, like as a little kid playing yeah. with this ball. And she sees it from afar. The father getting a better look manages to spot their like knows who they are and so as a dying clue shows these pictogram things he's got those little like gambling card things with pictures that shows the different animals that are tattooed on their body Mm -hmm. and so when we flash forward to her as an adult she's got this like seared in her brain and Mm -hmm. she has to just go and like find these people like it's her life's goal yeah her life's purpose is to get to, to obtain blood vengeance yeah but the opening of this is very much like uh, Female Prisoner 701, where it's got that sort of stylistic <laughs> lack of realism. Like um, It's kind of dreamy. Yeah, it's, yeah, dreamy's a great word yeah. for it. You've got all the little chip, the bedding chips, like, floating down, like it's raining them, and she's walking over them. Mm-hmm. And, like, one of the greatest fucking theme songs to a movie ever mm-hmm. plays. Like, it is so 70s and yes. so good. I'm kind of shocked it wasn't cribbed into a uh, Kill Bill. Yeah. Like honestly, I'm right. a bit shocked because it's such a it's such a banger. It's such a banger. Yeah, but yeah, the action sequences in this one. There's lots of sword play. There's mm-hmm. lots of like slow mo blood fountaining out of people. Yep. Like it very much borrows from that. Um, actually, I don't know if it borrows because I don't know what year it came out. But I was gonna say it borrows from Lone Wolf and Cub series mm. and stuff like that. But I don't actually know what year those came out. I'd imagine around a similar time, because this was Wouldn't 73. <laughs> what did you think of this one compared to Female Prisoner Scorpion? Um, I think this one, there was definitely more in the way of, like, sexual violence and, like, coercive, like, uncomfortable, like, sex kind of stuff. a lot more uncomfortable. Yeah, so, stuff, so for, for sure. that part, I was kind of like, oh, like, there's not... You know, there's more that I have to kind of be like, ooh. Yeah, it's weird because about. the movie kind of like goes. It's just like a movie yeah. kind of thing you're into it. And then like around the hour mark, it flips into like, let's get a lot of sexual violence for like 
a while against multiple yeah. characters, and then we will conclude kind of thing. Yeah. It's almost like they ran out of steam on the plot. It's like, it's too early to conclude what can we throw in there, and this Nudity is what they went for. and coercive and or straight up, like, violent sexual encounters. Yeah. Yeah. So that that is something to keep in mind with uh, both these movies. Mm-hmm. If, if, if that's an absolute, like, no-go for yeah. you, even if it's, like quote-unquote mild i don't want to mm. downplay it or anything no. like that but i mean i'm not talking i mean this isn't like a ice pit on your grave yeah this is this wasn't like irreversible or anything but it was still just kind of like oh but if it's is... a no-go you probably don't want to yeah. watch these movies yeah but i mean i liked um i liked the characters i thought the sort of uh family that she kind of her adopted family that she yeah. belonged to like the, the ladies were funny that the one dude who was hilarious yeah yeah they're like hey no men allowed in here and they're like what the fuck are you doing here i'm gay like, shut the fuck <laughs> up when the cops are trying to go in <laughs> he's like i'm gay i don't count <laughs> like, fuck. this one's also a bit of a period piece isn't it like, it is the yeah intro thing takes Have, place in, like eight eighteen hundreds. yeah yeah and then and then it's like 19 like early 1900s 19 something yeah, yeah. Like um, I think the I think the girl my guess is she would have been in her thirties yeah probably and she's like uh, my understanding is her sort of like chosen family it's like a, a gang of geishas right yeah and uh, who 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 do crime to get by yeah it, it kind of made me think of our girl gang episode a mm. little bit like there's sort yeah. of like a side plot but it's yeah. there and it's it makes for a really sort of cool yeah it's cool it's thing like it's on. like the female Ghostbusters and Kevin. That's what you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's the draw. <laughs> that's what you're pulling from. Um, there's this dude who's being like a political assassin in this. I get that he wants to be showy about it, and he wants to make a political statement with when he's trying to kill the like leader guy. Mm-hmm. But you'd think after the first time, or the first several times it fucked up, he'd stop like sneaking his way up. So he's in the same room, but on the other side, no one notices he's there. And then, and then like pulling out a sword and yelling and running in a straight line yeah. through all the bodyguards. It's like, exactly. okay, I get the point you're going for, but that didn't work the first yeah. several times. You're like, stop, try- stop trying to like be anime and just yeah. like... <laughs> I love the one where he tries to get them on the train and he pulls that exact same shit and all the nuns stand up and they pull oh. out fucking knives. Like, like it's a trap and all the nuns yeah. are armed. That's so good. Yeah, there's some good schemes in this movie. Yeah. On both sides. Yeah, for sure. One thing of note for this one is it's got a mix of, like, there's also some Western actors Mm -hmm. in this one. In particular, we've got Christina Lindbergh from, famously from Thriller, A Cruel Picture, or also retitled as, they call her One Eye, which is, like, the Swedish exploitation revenge movie. Right. I think it was actually my recommendation for our last like women getting revenge episode right Um, yeah i remember it coming up that is a rough movie Mm. it deals in a lot of the same kind of themes but it's sort of a classic of the like gritty revenge movies from the Mm. era cool that one also has lots of slow motion but in that Mm. one she's got a sawed off shotgun and she's just blowing dudes away love it we haven't watched that one we we? have not i've been wanting to we'll watch it at some point we'll watch the they call her one-eye version because it is technically the censored version but that's because what's cut out are hardcore porn inserts that they filmed. Okay. They got they hired adult actors to to do it and like just did close ups yeah. and all that of course. But the problem is it's well the extra problem because I mean that just gets tedious after mm. a while. But the extra problem is it's all in the context of rape scenes. Of course. So it makes for very uncomfortable Ugh. viewing. So it's one of those things where it's just like like I had the uncut version because I generally don't get the censored versions, and then when I saw the cut version available for fairly cheap, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna snap that up because yeah. I'd like to, 
not have to throw on rapey porn Mm-mm. just to be able to enjoy this otherwise really like slick yeah sort of that. movie. I know that that one in particular. That's actually a bit of the Tarantino connection if we draw the dots, you know, right. like Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon style, like <laughs> Sex and Fury. You got Christina Lindbergh in Thriller, aka They Call Her One Eye, which yeah. is what Ella Driver, yeah, in uh, Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. So she has one eye. <sighs> Not for long. <laughs> <laughs> This one also kind of like, for some reason, I got in my head that, you know, it's like James Bond wishes with their Casino Royale. Let's play Texas Hold'em totally. Forever shit. This has like a poker scene, but mm-hmm. it's like these two like undercover ladies like battling each other out in just like two draw poker. Yeah. <laughs> and they get really good hands. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I, ridiculously good hands. Fuck. I would, I would go all in on like hands half as good as what right? they were fucking doing. I mean, I'm terrible at poker, so that's probably poker player, why, I guess, but... but. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one holds a bit of a nostalgia spot for me, just because yeah. uh, it was one of those... It was an early revenge movie for me, so that was that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say I probably can get into Female Prisoner 701 a little more, because mm-hmm. it, it's got a lot tighter pacing yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Agreed. But the set pieces in Sex and Fury are absolutely fantastic. They're solid. The end set piece, like guarantee that that is the crazy 88 fight mm-hmm. all, all mm-hmm. over like she's mm-hmm. uh fighting them up the stairs with a sword and there's just tons of guys coming at her and she's just chopping her way through all of them blood yeah. spraying everywhere oh yeah um lots of feet shots so <laughs> you know like yeah yeah you got it so i think with with all the movies we watch but with especially with this one with um sex and fury it made me think of think back to like the icelandic sagas oh yeah and um, when I took my lovely old Norse mythology and legends and then the accompanying Vikings and sagas class, and that was also a really common theme was the the idea of blood vengeance and that if somebody dishonored your family or you, then it became like your bound duty to get vengeance. Right. And so I remember one of it, because you, you always hear the expression like an eye for an eye, yeah, a tooth for a tooth, what have you, but... I remember one of my classmates saying, like, I don't know, like, in, in these in these books, it really seems like it's, rather than an eye for an eye, it's more like an, an arm for a finger sometimes. Yeah. And not that I'd want to say that that's necessarily what's happening in, like, say, Female Prisoner Scorpion, because... I've seen a lot of movies that, like, they get very much the revenge they deserve to get. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so, but especially just um, because you have the two characters in Sex and Fury... Right. ...where they have, like, taken it upon themselves to be like, yeah, this is, like this is what I have to do. This is yeah. my life's purpose now for differing reasons, but still that, that family connection. Right. And I like that it's not necessarily shown as like a bad thing. Yeah. Because, you, so you know, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And yeah, it's not ideal even sort of towards the later um, Icelandic sagas and stuff. They start having like, there's some, you get the sense there's some recognition there that that's like, yeah, if we don't stop this, we're all going to be kaput like yeah everyone's gonna be dead because you're gonna be getting revenge for your like your father's 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 yeah. brother kind of thing against people who like never even met the guy yeah. and it's just this blood feud that's been going on for generations yeah and at one point does it do you say like okay we're good like <laughs> kind of reminds me of another japanese movie that we'll have to watch sometime called versus where there's like this whole like reincarnation plot going mm. where it's just like these people keep getting reincarnated to 
battle each other kind of thing. It's like this mm. weird sort of wild, and then sort of like their roles in it, like who's bad, who's good. It sort of like shifts and gets weird and amorphous as it goes. That. that sounds really cool. It's also it was shot for like six thousand bucks. Oh and wow. it's a zombie kung fu movie. Oh so okay, you will well, love I have it. to see it. You will love it. We'll do yes, a, I will. <laughs> to follow up with our Italian zombie movies, sometime we'll do a Japanese zombie movie. Love it because there's a few that I've seen and a few I want to see. So let's do it. Cool deal. But back to Sex and Fury, um, what you're saying with the revenge thing, like, eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. It's like, yeah, on one hand, and, you know, me being a person in reality that would rather not yeah, I'm more all violence, it's like, yeah. cool, but when it comes to fiction, especially revenge movies, yeah. it's just like... Just let me enjoy this. Fucking get your vengeance. Yes, because I'm, I'm sure shit not going to, so yeah. live vicariously through you. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, in real life, I'm all about that, like, whole restorative justice, reconciliation. Right. Let's, like, bring the community get together and let's see how we can make prisons obsolete and yeah. make policing obsolete and make the community so strong that when these kinds of things happen, we can handle them. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. But in movie world, like, let the lady have some fucking revenge. So it, without being demonized for it, what you're saying is that you're you're a total leftist IRL. But when it comes <laughs> to to like beyond that, you're a cinematic centrist. Um, cinematic libertarian. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that feels somehow less icky than centrist in the current political climate. As you as you decide to to go out and rent a copy of Atlas Shrugged Part One. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm much more of a, of a like, pro-vigilante. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm, like, I, I don't know, I feel like a lot of real-life vigilante stuff, I'm like, well, I might not endorse it, I'm certainly not losing any sleep over it. Yeah, I've heard of a fair few cases where it just brings to mind that, uh image from Arrested Development of uh, the mother just being like, good for her. Yeah, totally, yeah, it's like, she did nothing wrong. Yeah. And... There better not be a jury in the world that would convict her. Like now you're the, getting into the tagline of ice put on your grave. Yes, that's right. As I was saying that, I'm like, that, that's from something. That is. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Uh, Sex and Fury, I do recommend it. I think it's pretty badly out of print at this point. Aww. I could be wrong on that. I got it years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was put out by Panic House, which I think was like an imprint of Synapse Films, or they were oh. related to them somehow. Okay. Um, I don't even know if they exist anymore. <laughs> If they did a good job on this release, so cool. Maybe if they do exist, good for them. <laughs> Our last movie. I know for a long time it was. It might still be in my top five. It's definitely a top ten movie for me. Mm-hmm. Like, this movie fucks. I know we say that a lot <laughs> lately on this podcast. Like, I really mean it. <laughs> I really mean it this time. We watched uh, Takeshi Miike's Audition from 1999. Yes, we did. You'd actually seen this one before. I had. I was going to say, this is my only rewatch of the episode. Mm-hmm. Of course, it had been years, so I remembered, you know, kitty, 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 kitty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, everyone remembers everyone that. Everyone remembers that. And I, I, a few other kind of select little things, but I didn't... I, and I remembered at what point, like, I was like, oh, yeah, it, go, it leads up to, like, the hotel, and then and then it gets fucking weird from there kind of thing. And it's like, well, it's kind of fucking weird before that, too. Yeah. When you, especially when you have, like, glimpses of her apartment or whatever the fuck oh i love those it's so those good but I, so chilling. But yeah i just remember it's like okay now i was gonna get fucking bonkers and it's like mm-hmm. it certainly did <laughs> it got pretty trippy this is an interesting choice i think for mm-hmm. this particular topic because i think she is getting revenge 
on a certain principle or idea yeah. at work. But at the same time, she's not an innocent party in it. If anything, no. she's the antagonist. Yes. But she's getting revenge on some shitty societal construction. Exactly. And so I kind of wanted to include this mm-hmm. one because I think that there's a... First off, it's a great movie. Yes. I, I just awesome to watch it and cover it. But there is a case to be made for how revenge can be reconstructed. I talk about the whole, like, getting philosophical through revenge. This is where I think that shit is mm-hmm. good. Yeah, and this is where I think it um, diverges from the idea of that, like, blood vengeance yeah. and that sort of personal vendetta kind of thing. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, really all three of the movies that we watched are in some ways having to do with different aspects of, like, women being treated like shit under patriarchy. I feel like it would be hard to do to do a revenge movie with a, a female perspective yeah. that isn't possible. Like you could not re- read that way to right. some extent, even if it's overt or it's very baked into like a subconscious kind of thing, mm-hmm. just because there's, it's so pervasive yeah. a thing that as soon as the person getting revenge is not a man, it, it's like, so where, it when did she get raped? Image. Yeah. And, uh, who molested her? I Who did like, this? I feel like, like in a perfect world that that would not be the case. But yeah. we don't live in that perfect no, world. We so don't. it's kind of baked into so many of these movies. Exactly. Like it's a it would be more noteworthy if it didn't happen because it's just such a like mm-hmm. baked into the genre kind of thing. So what you're saying is we need like a cis het white woman upper middle class who's voting for Joe Biden or Mayo Pete and uh, she gets revenge on someone because they ran over her like shitty little dog i don't know i don't want to see that movie i don't want to i wouldn't be cheering for her that movie to exist but i'm trying to think of one that (laughs) isn't like a that what would that movie look like and i can't fucking picture it yeah i'm trying to think if i can think of like something where i guess i can think of um (laughs) go back to the sagas uh, I don't. I mean, there there have been some that have been made into, into movies, but there, um, there's a Norse goddess named Skadi, who, her father, because she's she's a giantess, and her father had been um, like contracted to build Asgard, and there. So he, if he built it before, uh, bef- like if he had it all built before a certain period of time, then he would get to take Freya, the like big time fertility goddess, as his wife. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's no problem. He's not going to make it. It's it's fine. We'll just pawn her off. Like, we don't give a shit. Like, it's not going to happen. And it, but it, it was getting too close for comfort. And then she was like, I'm not marrying this guy. Like, you need to do something. And so they fuck him up. By, that, that's where um, Loki turns into a female horse and runs off with the giant's horse. And then he can't get the, he can't get the job done on time. So he starts raging. So they kill him. And his, so usually it would be the son's job to go and avenge the father. But he only had a daughter. So she came and she was ready to fucking just like have heads roll Dope. and instead they 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 uh were like oh well you you can you can pick a husband but you can only pick from looking at his feet but so she picked- i don't want to see faithful adaptations of these I don't stories either. <laughs> like like maybe we should get in on making those because those right? movies would be so fucking out there mm-hmm. or um robert eggers where you at <laughs> right or i i still i still have grimdark gudrun where um there, there is arguably some sexual violence there in that she is, like, married to this character, Atli, who is, like, modeled off of Attila Hun, basically, and she hates his fucking guts, and so ew, I wouldn't be surprised if there 
is in, there's some implied like coercive sexual like right. not she does not want to be in that marriage and mm-hmm. he and he kills her brothers and so to get revenge for that she, she's the, she's the one who um she lures her sons by him kills them and then roasts their hearts oh, feeds yeah. them to him and gives him like their blood mixed with with honey out of their skulls for him like it's like the most grim dark fucking story ever and he's just like you wicked woman like oh my god <laughs> are you dog this wickedness and it's like yeah it's pretty bad <laughs> oh my god uh yeah you told me about that yeah that's before. like my favorite story oh. that grim darkness i think is a good let's get back to audition point totally because audition is grim dark yes it is it's pretty fucking grim dark yeah okay so revenge being different in this movie Mm -hmm. what do we have here for a setup how does this one kick off we have um a middle-aged-ish guy with a teenage son Mm -hmm. um and his son is like hey dad you should you should remarry because at the beginning we see his wife in hospital and she passes away his son's very young so since then he's been a single father and his son's like dad you're looking pretty worn out You you should you should re you should remarry and like you know, have a partner to help carry some of the load of your life kind of thing. That's, you know, that's an interesting thing right there. Because mm-hmm. I think in a very non-cynical way, loneliness can just be brutal. Loneliness can be a killer if Literally. you are, are absolutely missing something in your life. Yeah. No, there, there's, um, I, I know it's because, well, the, this idea that, you know, women live longer than men and generally speaking and married men tend to live longer than unmarried men right. and i've seen some pretty cynical takes from from women saying it's like yeah it's because like the women have to do fucking everything well that's what i was gonna say because they're yeah. talking about how weary he is yeah where it's like he needs someone to take the burden off of yes. him like he needs to be able to shift his burden that's yes. the cynical take on it yes but because I, I was gonna say i said it in a pretty nice way it's like yeah. he needs a partner to help bear the load and it's like I don't no think he the needs... movie starts that cynically at that's all. true like this the movie really much is like he's been a good father yeah he he's been a single father yeah he's been yeah, just he could he, he's lonely yeah he he's lonely he, like he's... they talk about how Jap- japan is a lonely nation like they have that little conversation yeah at the everyone's start. lonely but it's one of those things where that cynicism starts to peek through when you see how he goes about mm-hmm. finding a partner agreed that's true because yeah i didn't get the sense i mean it might have been implied there depending on gender roles and sort of like what would be the implications of the expectations yeah. of the role of a wife. Yeah, we are also talking about a different culture. Yes. And we are also talking about a movie that is based on a novel we haven't read. Mm-hmm. Um, so From like the 90s. There might so. be more in the novel that bulks this up, or, yeah. the, or the movie might have added more itself. Who knows? Yeah. And it's, it, it was interesting, I think, that they were talking about that even like, oh, you know, everyone's lonely in Japan. Japan's a lonely nation because yeah. Japan is sort of like the case study right now of what happens when the population, like, stops, stops fucking, basically. Yeah, it's decreasing instead of increasing. Yeah, right? like, they, they, yeah, they're not even, like, at Is sort it of... actually decreasing compared to increasing, or is it just the increase is so slow that it's kind of stagnating? I think it's pretty stagnant because it's my understanding that a lot of people aren't getting married. I mean, part of it is that women, there's not a lot of support for moms. 
And bec- and so, it's well, like maternity leave's not a thing. Yeah. Oh, and, well, I wonder what other well, countries might, in the West could I know. possibly be. Like and that. I mean, I, I th- maternity leave is, it might not be great, but I, it's my understanding that it's more culturally like if if you're a working woman who has kids, you're treated like shit, kind of thing. Yeah. Like you're you're like your second, like your lower tier. Like oh, you're not fully dedicated because you had kids. So like most it, women it, it are saying feels so much of like what's here. Right. It's just that it's actually spoken there. It's not like yeah. unspoken like it is here. Totally. No, we like the word like yeah we live in a. North America is profoundly anti-parent. Yeah. It's pro-natal, but it's anti-parent, it's anti-child. That's so fucked up. <laughs> it is. And so, but yeah, you have most women there who are saying like, okay, fuck it, then I'm not going to have kids. Yeah. I'm just going to work and I'm going to be fulfilled by my career. And, but then also there's this, like, supposedly, like, the rates, I mean, when you hear this a lot in the developed world where, like, rates of sex are going down and, like, people are just like, I don't want to, like, people are more isolated and they're just mm. like, I don't want to fucking, like... I don't want to fuck. talk to somebody let alone fuck them like ew no yeah so whereas in japan maybe because it's a small isolated island it's just this is all just happening at a higher pace or something i don't know right but th- yeah right now i know that you know i've seen a lot of articles talking about like the sex recession and all that stuff japan sort of seen as like a cautionary tale for what's, interesting. what we can kind of expect if trends remain the if same that means, okay yeah interesting so um back to audition back to audition yeah so the our main character, he's talking to his buddy and the buddy's like, well, let's, uh, you know, I'm going to be doing an audition for like a, it's like a soap opera. Pretty yeah. They're much. like TV movie. Exists. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, well, we're going to do an audition and there's going to be all of these like, you know, really eligible young women there kind of thing. They're going to be talented and pretty and like everything you'd want. And so you can sit in the, in the audition and find a wife. Yeah. And because, you know, there'll be, because out of all of the ones, ladies we audition, only one's going to get the role. Yeah. So someone else can maybe get a husband. Yeah. So he's got piles of these women's headshots and resumes with mm-hmm. personal essays about their life development. So he's getting this. Like a dating profile without them realizing that that's what they submitted. Yeah. So yeah, it's all, I mean, and at first he's kind of uneasy about it, but he ultimately goes along with it. Yeah. So I think that's where the cynicism starts coming out where it's like, well, Okay. And their attitudes really well highlighted in the scene where they're discussing this plan. They're sitting mm-hmm. at a bar. And yep. uh, the restaurant bar area is mostly empty. They're at the bar, but there's a table of younger women celebrating. Yeah. Like, they look like they're they're well-dressed, like, kind of wearing, like, suitish sort of. Like, they, they might be, bit like, uh, salary women kind right. of thing. Um, they're over there celebrating, and they're being fairly raucous with it. Like, they're... they're um, you know, laughing, mm-hmm. enjoying your time. Like, I, you see those people all the time at yeah. places. And I would say they're not even that aggressive. They're not even really obtrusive. Yeah, like, they're... they're Like, if it had it been a full restaurant, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have even noticed. heard them over the ambience yeah. in general. Yeah, um, but they look at them over, and they just say, like, stupid women these days, they have no respect. Like, or, oh, like, where did all the no good ones go? And, like, they look at it as, like, these are fallen women yeah. because of them not conforming to whatever they have decided in their mind is the correct yeah they're, they're not being like seen and not heard yeah or like fucking i don't know yeah at home at some man's beck and call yeah, or so something they have a very sort of antiquated yes kind of view um one thing i found so goddamn refreshing is when he asks, what kind of woman would you want would you go for a young one um he initially is just like uh like i'd rather be with a more mature yeah, someone happening. more kind of in the stage of life. it's just like, oh my god, we're not getting the whole, like, I'm a 55-year-old man with a 23-year-old woman. Like, that, that is what we get yes, as the movie goes. Yeah. But I think that adds to the cynicism to it. But yeah. Because yeah, at first he's like, no, I'd like somebody who, like, maybe 
has a career, has her own accomplishments. Like you get the sense still that he's looking for someone who isn't, yeah, just going to be like a servant. But it's like, oh no, she has her own life, and it's yeah. like, like that. You have like a partner, somebody I can like share yeah. this with, and like she has her own life, and we can bring each other into our lives and be like really fulfilled with one another. Like somebody who, but is also yeah, maturity wise, age wise, and stuff yeah. at a similar point in her life as me, kind of thing. Yeah, but then that's that feeling's very short lived because yeah. then it gets into the very oddly specifics where it's like she should be able to play the piano or dance. We need to make sure that she has yeah, the she has mental to have a fortitude certain, to have been able to do this. A certain number and a certain number of like class signifiers too. Yeah, it's like what would the equivalent be? For, like, the manic pixie dream girl. (laughs) (laughs) She has to play roller derby and she has to do, uh, I don't know. Like, it it feels like just as much as that's a construct of a Mm -hmm. specific type of woman, that's kind of what they've concocted in their mind. Yeah. And uh, they, of course, during the audition where they're able to pull all this info unknowingly, like, look at their essays. And, Mm -hmm. of course, you know, like, when he calls them up and says, like, pick 30 women to choose from... And don't just look at their pictures. Like, it just shows, like, his mind is just, like, you're probably just gonna go for looks. But remember, we have all this dirt on them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We have this whole, like, shadow profile. Yeah. And so it's it's interesting because I wouldn't say the movie's firmly on his side. Mm -hmm. But he's shown to be fairly respectable and well-meaning in a lot of ways. Like, he he seems like he's a good fucking dad. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the impression I get. He does really nice by his son whenever it comes up in the movie. Um, yeah, like, like when the son brings over a, a girl, he's like, "Oh, she can eat. She can eat my dinner. Like yeah. that's totally fine." And like, he's also he's very welcoming to her. It's yes. not purely just like who's this slag kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, ooh, right? who are you gonna, who are you gonna bone to now and what's yeah. tonight? It's like, oh, it's a girl. You, yeah, sure, welcome her in the home. She can eat my dinner. Like that's fine. Yeah, no, he's he's a very sympathetic character, but he's also a bit ambivalent. Yeah, it, it's it's weird. I, I really like that about it because yeah. when I first saw this, when I was like fourteen. A lot of that went over my head. I just saw this as, like, a really cool horror movie where, like, I, I don't think the question of how to serve as revenge, like, that was still in my head of, like, oh, this is really weird to wrap your head around. Mm-hmm. But this early build-up stuff, I think it was lost on me a little bit. Mm. But it's so interesting to see it now and just see how the construction of the the character dynamics and the gender dynamics at play right. uh, unrolls in this. Mm-hmm. And so he's looking at the submissions, I guess, and he finds one that really tickles his fancy for whatever reason, maybe her being a dancer, but then also she had a hip injury. Yeah, like this, like, sort of sad maudlin Yeah, this sort of, like, tragic tale of, like, this was her life, and this is what brought her joy, and then she was injured, and she couldn't have it anymore, and this gave her this really, like, realization of, like, her mortality and, like, the impermanence of it. Like, she was just, like, it just had... I struck him philosophically. I absolutely love the misdirection at work here mm-hmm. because we have this weird high concept way to meet women that I think in a romantic comedy would be played off as just quirky. Totally. Even though like, it would gloss over the toxicness yeah. of it. And he even like finds her resume by accidentally getting the coffee ring on it. Like he spills he's trying to wipe the coffee right. off and he's like, huh? Pulls it out. Ooh, and there's like the shady. magical music thing and it's just like, yeah. who is this? So it either, it feels like it's setting up for either a romantic comedy or like, a nice family drama kind right. of thing. And so the misdirection in this is just so fucking choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, um, yeah, the audition comes around. He meets her, all the other ladies. You know, he's not asking any questions. He doesn't really seem to be that. He's just waiting for Asami. And uh, finally, when, you know, he talks to her and it's just like, yeah, that was just wow, that was so profound. Like, I'm really impressed with that. Mm-hmm. Like, that, just that you 
how, yeah, you had this loss and then you just how you how you made sense of it, how you made meaning from it was like, wow, like amazing. Kind of, and, the mm-hmm. guy, and the guy's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like his big buddy. He's yeah, just like, buddy. really? <laughs> yeah. It's also interesting. It sets up that relationship dynamic where like when you're blinded by love or by mm-hmm. attraction, you're, you're, you're blind to red flags sometimes. Right. And like, cause his buddy is just immediately like, I don't trust her. Yeah. I don't like this. There's girl. something off about her. Yeah. And the main guy, he starts looking for, like, references, like, who her agent is and stuff. And it's like, oh, this guy, he doesn't work for this company anymore. And yeah. when he, and he's like, oh, that's kind of odd, but we'll see what she has to say about it. Yeah. And, and she says, like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I used to know him. I haven't seen him in a long time. You know, they told me that it would look better if I said I had an agent. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to be dishonest with you. And he's right. like, oh, it's no matter. I totally get it. Like, yeah, all good. Yeah, she's he's he's just so like enamored with her, right. and she seems pretty, you know. Pretty, she, so she's so she's so mild and sweet, and just like oh, I I'm so happy to see you, and I thought you yeah. would never call. Like she's she's just so like that like kind of perfect image of that that young blossoming girl in yeah. love kind of thing. And so when you find out just how sinister she really yeah. is, it's like oh, she played him like a fucking fiddle. I absolutely love how long it takes to get to the turn mm-hmm. and how fucking creepy the first bit of the turn is. Yeah. When, it's so um, abrupt. And then it's just like, whoa. Like his buddy is just like, don't call her for a while. Just cool off a bit. And yeah. he agrees not to. And so we get these scenes of him like reaching for the phone, picking it up. And then he just sets it down. It doesn't call her. And then we get a shot of her sitting by a rotary telephone just set on the floor in her apartment. You know, like her, her head slumped, her posture just all Her hair weird. and her face like Samara practically. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's just there. Just sitting there. Waiting. waiting. And when he eventually calls, we get this shot of her face and just the most sinister smile starts appearing on yeah. it. And then we get the first big jump of the movie, and that fucking floored me when I first saw it. I don't want to really spoil what's going on in this part, because it is just some bad shittery mm-hmm. that... Oh, it adds to the disturbing, disturbing layers of this movie. And seeing the sinister smile versus the sweet voice, that's like, I'm so happy to hear from you. I thought you were never going to call. I was afraid I'd never see you again. As she's just literally been, like, sitting there on the floor by the phone, doing nothing but waiting for yeah. that phone call. Yeah. Like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, no, it is chilling. She schemes. And you realize something's up. Yes. But the movie follows in the trajectory of the main guy who just still sees her as this, like, this... The sun the shines of out of her of asshole yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And um, it reaches a point where they go off on vacation together. And mm-hmm. uh, she... And he's, he's, like, going to propose to her. Yeah. Even in the taxi, he's saying, like, oh, I'll bring a ring with me. And she's like, oh, I'd like that. Like, yeah. okay. Uh, but then she makes a promise, makes him make a promise. Mm-hmm. Um, promise you will never love anyone else. Yeah, you all have only me. Yeah. And uh, like, yeah, totally. just, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it seems like this, like, little sweet gesture is even played up. Like, one of those, like, be true to me, love only me. Yeah, like, she's this, I like, sweet little virgin girl kind of who's thing. just like, before I go all the way, please, you'll love only me. Yeah. Just me forever. Like, just this, this... Just, like, naive, like, yeah. icky sweet kind mm-hmm. of, yeah. And, oh, dang. Oh, boy. This movie flips. And it turns into, like, an almost David Lynch-esque mm-hmm. nightmare in, like, the best way. Um, she disappears without a trace. Mm-hmm. And so he starts 
following the trail of like the little clues from her resume and the yeah. little like tidbits from their conversations. Yeah, like where she where she said she picks up some shifts as a like waitress sometimes mm-hmm. at this bar or that her friend owns or where she studied ballet for like power many years i love when she goes when uh, he goes to the bar and mm-hmm. um, that conversation he has with the neighbor yeah. where the camera's like high up on the wall in this weird canted angle as he's talking to him and the guy's talking about like the murder the crime scene and we don't get flashbacks or anything like that until the very end when he gives this little detail we get this quick flash of it that just mm-hmm. kind of throws you because it's done in a surrealistic kind of trippy way yeah i almost I, I interpreted it almost as like we're seeing what the character is like picturing or imagining yeah 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 like it's not because yeah it's not it's not explicitly like this is a flashback of what happened or right anything. no it's, it's more, like it's a little hit like a little flash yeah, of something kind of like where if i was told something really shocking and i, I imagine like this really intrusive image in my mind yeah. of yeah this dismembered body or no, something that's a, that's a good point because yeah. uh it it doesn't play it like this is the factual especially given how trippy it is yeah it, it can't be the factual no. right <laughs> but um, i mean yeah like the, the angle like the scene itself is already kind of disorienting and then to have that punctuating it it's like whoa it, it reminded me the lighting's a bit better but it kind of reminded me of the claustrophobic labyrinth like weirdness of the that that bar the rectum in irreversible oh yeah like yeah. when he's going through there um right. it's it, not quite as nauseating because they had the the music tone going and they yes. had the camera like one shot going everywhere but it it gave me that kind of claustrophobic dark mm-hmm. vibe kind of thing this yeah this well, yeah, it's like in a stairwell a it's years, like but. yeah totally and then he goes off to the dance academy yeah and this is another like it almost reminds me of in Mulholland Drive when they go behind the diner and there's the uh, street person that just like pops out and scares the guy to death, gives him a heart attack. It just has that weird kind of off kilter mm-hmm. vibe, and it's like you don't know who you're gonna run into in the midst of it. He come he comes across the guy who runs the academy, and I don't know about you, I couldn't even like is he seeing a ghost? Is he yeah. imagining this? Like like what the. F- the movie doesn't feel like it needs to explain its surrealness, and no. I think it's stronger for it. Agreed. Yeah, if you do that, but you feel the need to explain it, it's like, mm. But no, this this does it really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it leaves a lot of questions without feeling unfulfilling. Yeah, absolutely. We, we then get into, like, big trip-out sequences and the climax mm-hmm. of the movie that is absolutely... Like, it, it'll stay with you. Everyone knows it, yeah. Anyone who's um, seen it remembers it very clearly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the way that Revenge is constructed to sort of bring it back around, mm-hmm. we get this, um, like, I love how it almost is taking shot at these romantic movies yes. and stuff, or like this idealized version of how relations should work mm, kind of thing. Like, right. it's, it's deconstructing the fantasy of that and showing just how gross the yeah. little, like, assumptions in there are. Right. And, uh, the like social structure at play where it's like this is how a relationship goes this is how a man and a woman yeah. enter into it and what would be the meet cute or like the like a good good uh funny quirky guy in a romantic mm-hmm. comedy actually kind of does her dirty in a lot of ways but she doesn't even know it because she's outside of his planning and it's almost like she's getting revenge in a roundabout way, because mm-hmm. she's actually very unstable in this sort of like Hollywood yeah. psychosis way. Right. So it's hard, because her revenge, when she lays it out, like you said, you'd love only me. It's like, this is bonkers. This is totally out to lunch. Yeah, yeah. right. Because she's like, you love, she's like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt your son. He's like, no. She's like, so you love him too? You said you love only me. And it even shows the assumptions that we make. Because when she said yeah. that, I assume she meant like as a lover, yeah. not 
at all 100 yeah, percent period exactly. any kind of love so yeah. it's like oh shit yeah exactly yeah 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 like so. it's uh so from her stance she's not getting like any kind of justifiable revenge like in her brain it might be justifiable but she's very much the antagonist like mm-hmm. the you know, in the slasher movie, she's the slasher kind right. of thing. Yeah. Um, but when you look at it in a way compared to how he misled her mm-hmm. and led her to this, it's like almost like a foiled by his own hubris. Yeah, he's, he's not an thing. innocent party by any means. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's a weird take on how revenge is constructed in movies, for mm-hmm. sure. And it's revenge, like, almost, like, not on him as a person, but him as a representative of, like, yeah. men as a class kind mm-hmm. of thing where it's like yeah you you, you did these auditions so you call up these girls and fuck them kind of like basically it's, yeah like that's what she, she she says to him and so it's more like because yeah we, we like we said we set him up as a very sympathetic kind of character but he's still part of like the ma- the machinery of yeah. like patriarchy yeah absolutely and so that doesn't you know just being a nice guy generally speaking doesn't absolve him of the shitty things that he does or what he partakes in or what he benefits from and so he is almost rather than it's revenge against him it's him as a stand-in for everything he represents yeah absolutely and um like she is a stand-in for for like the scorned the scorned woman yeah um so it's it's a really kind of cool way to construct that story Mm -hmm. but then deconstruct it and present a movie that while it has those beats, at the same time, it doesn't really. Yeah, and it really doesn't follow that, but it it does, but it doesn't. Yeah, it's it's yeah. <laughs> it's there, but at the same time, uh, I don't think you could call this a traditional revenge movie. No, by any sense. What we're saying sounds like gibberish, but if you've seen it, you know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, like I said, this is one of my all-time favorite movies. I will. Got this when I was. This was the first movie I bought when I had my own credit card. Nice. Or access to a bank, or basically when I could buy shit myself off the internet. Right. When I was able to do that, this was the first fucking movie I bought. And, yeah, it, it's a banger. It rules. I was aware of this movie for a long time, but I I didn't watch it for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think my first awareness of it came from um, in... <laughs> God, I'm going to be, like, kind of aging myself here, Uh-oh. but not in a way you'd think. Right, bro. In, um... <laughs> My Chemical Romance, their very first, <laughs> their very first album that I brought you, my bullets, you brought me your love or whatever the fuck it's called. That sounds like they recorded it in a closet, and it really it, it takes some adjustment of your ears to listen to it and think that it is good music. Okay. Um, they have a song. I, I, they have a music video for it. I don't even remember, but they, I remember them saying it was inspired by audition. Okay. So and that's so it was kind of on the radar. radar, and then. I didn't really know much about it, and then later on, I I, I think I came across it's like, oh, what are like the most extreme yeah. extreme horror kind of thing, and of course auditions on there. But then the thing that got me that I was like, oh no, I can't see this movie was when they mentioned that she vomits in a dog bowl and feeds it to somebody. I was like, yeah. oh, I can't watch that. I can't do barf. And it's you were in there, and it's gross, but like it yeah, could have been so much worse. Yes, and you're you're and you're telling me like I promise it's not that bad. I'm like I don't know, it sounds pretty, but you're like it's not that bad. And then I watch, it, I'm like, oh. It really wasn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> this is before I found vomiting funny. This is back yeah. when I was still like, as I went through a period, I, I don't know, I, I, I went like a good like decade and a bit without throwing up. And I like mm. psyched myself into thinking right. that it was like the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. And then when it finally happened, when I was like 20, mm-hmm. after the last time it had happened, I think I was like, 
nine or ten. Everyone was a little kid on throw up. I'd be crying after. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So I just remember it as being like the worst thing ever. It's so disgusting. If somebody throw up, like I can, I can change diapers. I can clean up fucking blood and pee. I don't care. It's just vomit. I'm like, I can't do it. I won't do I, it. It sucks that you got over it because I figured, you know, like down the line, maybe that'd be a good deal. Like you do all the poop and pee and stuff. <laughs> I'll deal with the vomit. I mean, I still, I, that's still one of the things. If a kid throws up at work, I'm like, I'm calling your mom to come clean it up because I'm no. Somebody else can clean it up. I'm not doing this. I will do diaper explosions. I don't fucking care. I'll hold, I'll hold my nose, but like, there's something about vomit. But at least now when I see it in movies, I can laugh. Yeah. Instead of being like, oh, I'm going to be sick. Oh no, oh my God, my eyes are burned. Well, I grew up with cats my whole life, so vomit's <laughs> just a part of Yeah, life. I didn't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I also feel like maybe... I might be slightly to blame for your turn into comedy, <laughs> given how much of the scripts I've written how, and like every short we've ever Never done has vomiting. someone vomiting, yeah. and we make it just disgusting. Yeah, it's it's such an easy and cheap effect to pull off that is effective, and it still is. It still gets so many people. Like I even recently saw a viral tweet that was like. I don't know who I don't know who needs to hear this, but I promise you, you do not need to show a vomiting scene in whatever movie, TV, whatever you're making. It doesn't need to have visible visible vomit. And I'm gonna reply to that audibly right now by saying, I don't know who needs to hear this. You, Mr. Tweet person, lady, Miss, yeah. whoever. Um, yes, the how, fuck it does. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> um, fuck. Oh, I love this movie. This it's so good. It's so fucking. I mean, all of his work is fucking weird. Like yeah. I've seen, I've seen what like two or three of his movies. They're I all fucking you've seen weird. Two. You've seen yeah. this and Gozu. And Gozu. I like that. And the, Gozu's fucking the weird. Mike movie I showed you was fucking Gozu, which is like the most. I thought we watched this seen. after audition. Oh, did we? Oh, I want to okay, say you were like okay. you were like I I because I, th- I think we watched it soon after because you're like oh you think that's crazy we we'll put this shit on and then yeah, I was just yeah. like oh my fucking god yeah Gozu Gozu Gozu. <laughs> Yeah, that movie oh, is my fucking something else. Yes, we'll cover that one day. We should just do a Mika episode one day because he, he has enough fucking movies. Oh, fuck yeah. Like, this dude was prolific during sort of his boom from the late 90s until the early 2000s. He would churn out, like, six or seven movies a year. Without and, them sucking. Yeah, like, the sounds of and it. these are, like, his big classics kind of right. thing. Like, You're all like, of ah. them kind of came out in, like, a four-year period between audition and, like... His Dead or Alive movies, he did three there. Gozu, Visitor Q, Each of the Killer, like, Happiness of the Category, I like that. That one is, will do for the um, Japanese zombie movies. Deal. Love it. Well, I'd say this was a pretty damn fun week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, it was... Very we, women in horror Yeah. Last weekend and this week were both very easy to watch, I found. Like, even though we watched some extreme movies, especially this week, if it wasn't extreme for, like, the uh, sort of sexual violence at play, it's extreme because it's audition. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I found, like, they're very watchable movies. Yeah, and they're, enjoyable. They're quite enjoyable, so. Yeah, they're fun in their own twisted ways. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, before we get to the recommendations, there's something that I just feel like I need to put out there. Uh, after we finished watching for this one, we were just like, okay, we want to record before we start watching for the next episode, but we got some time. We should watch a movie. So we watched The Lighthouse. and <laughs> We watched Lighthouse last night. Yeah, I will unironically state, like, I'm not trying to be funny or cute or anything like that. I think this is one of the best horror comedies of the last several years. Absolutely. Like, this is... IMDb doesn't list it as a comedy at all. No, this is like a fantasy, mystery, thriller, horror. And you're like, okay, sure, but 
It's fucking funny. And I don't think it was, like, even accidentally funny. I think this no. movie was fucking funny by design. Yes. Like, it is so hilarious, and at no point did I feel like I was laughing at the movie in that, like, look like, how oh, bad look how they it's fucked It's so up. bad, it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I felt like I was supposed, like, how the fuck do you have a scene where some guy empties bedpans into the winds and gets covered in shit? And that's then not ha- a comedy? Yeah, and like- then he walks in the room and the guy's like, you smell like shit. <laughs> it's like, how is that not a comedy? <laughs> um, it felt like a great modern update of like Three Stooges or like even more so like Abbott and Costello. Like it felt like between these guys, I was watching an edgier, grimdark version of an Abbott and Costello routine. Love and it. I fucking loved it for that. Yeah. It's like we, cause we watched it and then, and then I, you know, we went to bed not long after. Yeah. So I was kind of thinking, cause you know, everyone's talking about like, Oh, the lighthouse man, like critical acclaim. And I'm just, yeah. so I'm expecting this like, yeah, like grimdark kind of movie. And so I was like, Oh, it, wasn't that great? And yeah, then I woke I up this morning. A little let down, but like yeah. I liked it, but it was just like it was fine. It was fine. Yeah, yeah. like it wasn't bad. I'm not upset. I watched it or anything. Yeah. And then this morning, we're just like quoting Willem Dafoe, and we're like, okay, that movie's it's, amazing. It's but been on my mind literally all day. Not for yeah. the reasons we expected or thought. So I kind of needed to settle. And then it's like, oh no, I love that movie, but for way different reasons than I ever would have expected because I didn't go in thinking that it was going to be a funny yeah. movie. I thought it was going to be like horrifying and thrilling and chilling and like and it's funny because normally when you have those wrong expectations for me i i definitely have to go and watch the movie again because it's just like that's not what i was expecting i need to reset because i I had my mind in one place whereas like i switched instantly during the movie like as soon as i started laughing with the movie i'm like well fuck this this is what what i'm here for yeah Yeah. okay (laughs) um very acceptance-based approach i guess by the time this this uh, episode goes up the Oscars will have already happened, and we'll find out mm. if it won for Best Cinematography. Mm. We'll, we'll know by then. It did win a few Chainsaw Awards from Fangoria, which right, is great. Like, it won a Best no, Actor and Best Supporting Actor nice. for, for the two dudes in it, and it's just, like, perfect. Their performances were just <laughs> unbelievably good. Yeah, just um, watching them lose their minds in Nova Scotia. Their fucking facial hair deserved awards, yes. you know? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, um, of the recent glut of, like, prestige horror and all that all stuff that bullshit yeah <laughs> and it's um this is this is one that's definitely worth watching mm-hmm. and uh i i, I yeah I'm, I'm over prestige horror i'm gonna call this a prestige comedy i like let's it. start bringing that up absolutely this is elevated comedy this is elevated comedy <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like how we're saying that about a movie with like dick and fart jokes and jerk off moments and all that <laughs> and and shark vulva on a mermaid oh, pussy god. oh my god Never thought I'd see that in a movie. No. Nope. Actually, I'm cynical enough. I definitely thought I'd see that in a movie. Yeah, someday. I guess. I just didn't think it would be in the lighthouse. <laughs> You're like, maybe if we ever get really into shark movies, like our yeah. buddies over at uh, I Hope You Suffer. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I kind of dipped my toes for a little bit because we had that co-worker who was really into shark attack right. movies. So I grabbed a few of those. Like, I've seen some of the, the obvious contenders for B-shark movies. Uh, one of those we are going to be covering on a future episode. It won't be out till this summer because we're timing it for a very specific day yes um, this is one that i've been wanting to show you for a while because it's fucking stupid i know exactly which one you're talking about i'm so excited Uh, mercy mercy okay so all that aside we do have some recommendations for you yes we do um i guess i'll go first this week please i am not actually doing a female revenge movie Mm. but i am doing a japanese revenge movie by takeshi miike that kind of does an interesting play on the revenge thing and i'm recommending ichi Ichi the killer from 2001 Uh i almost said itchy the killer that was me from when i was like 
13 asking for this in the video store being like do you have itchy the killer <laughs> he's real itchy man <laughs> yeah and uh, the guy the clerk just fucking looked at me like you, you dullard <laughs> um but no this one the setup is there's this yakuza boss who always very at the start of the movie is hit he's fucking like like murdered and his number one henchman guy they cover up the body, like, so perfectly that they don't know a crime committed was committed. They know something's up, but they don't know that a murder was committed. And the number one henchman decides he's going to find his boss. And he's mm. like, I've got to find my boss. But everyone around him's like, he's dead. He's got to be dead. Like, people that were in on it, people that are his, like, associates, like, everyone's he's dead. And he's like, nope, this guy's alive. And then it kind of, there's this subtext that he has sort of, like, a gay relationship with the boss. Like, he has mm. these... Um, he has some feelings. Yeah, feelings for the boss. Like, I know it's a lot more pronounced in the manga it was based on. Mm, uh, fair enough. But also the dude is a total masochist. Like, he's a sadist mm. for sure. He does very sadistic violence on people, but he's a total masochist. Like, he's he a switch. Tries to get. He's a switch, yeah. But he the, the assassin that he's going up against is a total sadist. And mm. so they're like a match made in hell kind okay. of thing as they're fighting each other. This is his probably most notorious movie. He That's yeah. It went to Toronto Film Festival with an apology note. <laughs> um, right, that was this one. <laughs> I think it the, between this and audition, it's why he shows up in a cameo in hostel kind of thing. Because <laughs> it's just like he plays like one of the depraved millionaires right. because it's like of course he's going to. Yeah. He this, earned this. This flick has it Oh, like, this was the movie that really kind of blew my mind at what a gore movie could be. Mm. I had never seen anything this extreme in my life. Like, I yeah, hadn't I seen Italian horror at this point, Fair. so, like, you know, Cannibal Holocaust wasn't really on my radar. Okay. But for what I'd seen, I'd never seen anything like this before in my life, and I haven't seen it in years. Uh, it recently came out on Nicely Store Blu-ray. I haven't Ooh. watched it yet, but I'm excited to, to dive in. Yeah, I'll have to Because see it. I've heard it's, if anything, kind of a comedy. Mm. But it's just like a jet black comedy with mm-hmm. a lot of gruesomeness in it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing it when that shock, it like I know more what to expect and I'm a little more jaded kind of thing. So mm. it's not going to be like a punch in the gut Yeah, as much to watch. Sounds like another elevated comedy to look forward to. An elevated comedy, yeah. Elevated by the presence of horror. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, my recommendation is Itchy the Killer. Um, Ichi the Killer. I keep calling him Itchy the Killer. That is... <laughs> 14 year old in me jumping out <laughs> um which is stupid because when i did a when i first went to uh uni and we had to do uh second languages right. i did japanese with my cousin and like the first thing they fucking teach you to do in any language is how to count <laughs> so it's like i shouldn't be fucking this up so bad <laughs> old habits die hard and this probably has some of the best use of jizz in a title sequence mm. since i mean predating a dirty shame <laughs> And Seed of Chucky. As I say, and Seed of Chucky. Do not go without mentioning that. Maybe we should do an episode that's just movies where there's jizz in the title sequences. Because we have three right there. And then for the clip at the beginning, we can use Robert Pattinson yell, You smell like jism! <laughs> uh, I kind of feel like the audio clips that starts of episodes, I just want to use stuff from the lighthouse, even if just apropos it nothing. has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> Okay, anyway, so Ichi the Killer is my recommendation. I highly think it's worth fucking watching, but it is extreme, and it does hit on some really brutal sexual violence in Mm. a lot of ways. It's not an easy watch. Fair. But yeah. Okay. So temper your expectations accordingly. Okay, so what have you got for us? 
Um, so yeah, having not done much with my perusal so far of Japanese cinema or of specifically even like female or revenge, female revenge mm-hmm. or any revenge kind of Japanese cinema, we watched so, partly so I could recommend. I don't want you recommending anything you don't wholeheartedly agree yes. to recommending. Well, no, we, we watched it because I, I wanted to see it yeah. and then I kind of, we watched it with the idea that having seen it, I could recommend it and be saying that and mean it and not yep. just pull it out of my ass. We watched Female Prisoner Scorpion Jailhouse 41. Yep, this which is the is, second one. Yeah, the sequel. Made the same year, mm-hmm. so that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, they churned them out because they, 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 they made two back-to-back because they knew they would be club bangers. I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out it was like a Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3 situation where they right. just fucking filmed two movies at once. Entirely possible. But yeah, this one, um, we were talking before we started recording where it's like, yeah, yeah, like this, the story is really cool. I think I maybe d- didn't get into it as fast as the, as the very first movie, but it's yeah. still, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a really mm. good time. There's some beautiful, sweet revenge uh, against all sorts of shitty people. Yeah. Mostly shitty men. There are some very shitty people in this movie who mm-hmm. do very shitty things. Yeah, more sexual violence. Just so, much more than the first movie. Oh, and if animals getting killed in movies bothers you, it's not real, but mm-hmm. they do eat a dog. Yeah. And I mean, they... they Like, they're on the run, and they find a a dog, so they, like, beat it to death and eat it because they need food. Yeah. So, So if that really offends your sensibilities. Well, I know that there's a whole website, I think it's called Day of the Animal, that is um, dedicated to talking about animal violence in movies, Hmm. whether fake or real kind of thing. I would love a database that talks about the real animal violence in movies, just because I feel like that is such, like, a pulling the trigger when I put in any Italian movie from the 70s and 80s. It's like... Is this going to have something really reprehensible in it, or yeah. am I going to be able to enjoy fiction? Mm-hmm. No, I think if anything, this just the scene it kind of shows like desperation. Oh, desperate times yeah. call for desperate measures, and we are hell bent on surviving, so we're going to yeah. do what we have to do, kind of thing. And yeah. you know, fair enough. So, sexual violence, stuff involving animals. Not that's that that wasn't one sentence together. But, um, <laughs> I just thought I'd clarify because some movies that we could be watching, it would very much be mm-hmm. yeah collapsed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you dug this one. I did. Yeah, and I'm excited to see the next one. Yeah, I was gonna say enough so that that next one I think is be stable. So we'll yeah. check that out. And, yes, uh, we will. Yeah, maybe uh, that'll be as we watch them. Maybe that'll be something to talk about on the podcast. Just like even if it's not covered for the episode. Yeah, if there's anything worth mentioning, we can start doing that. Yeah, cool. So cool. we can watch. Because then, we, yeah, we don't feel beholden to just like, oh, we're spending time watching movies. Better be specifically for the next episode. That That's kind of the thing I've been thinking about is um, so often, like you were mentioning with recommendations, like just dipping your toes in it, is so many of these episodes, they're first-time watches for you. Mm-hmm. And so you don't necessarily have that back that's that's why i love doing this with you so much because you're a fan of these movies you just haven't seen a ton of them well by right. now you've actually seen a fuckload of them now, now. i have yeah yeah ever since we started doing this podcast especially True. but on the onset when we first met you're like oh i love these movies but it's like oh have you seen this 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 is this and you're like what and it's just like oh this is perfect <laughs> yeah, yeah any any gatekeeping horror fans out there that are just like oh you're not a real horror fan if you haven't seen x or y or blah 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 go fuck yourself as an excuse to show someone these movies yeah love. because just getting to watch with someone who, who's never seen it especially if it's something that you really love like that's i love that such experience. a fun experience yeah. yeah even if it does that awkward thing where you're just watching them watch the movie that's fine <laughs> just don't be a creep about it yeah just staring at them eating the popcorn while staring at them and just be like <laughs> Watch this part. It's it's like drive-in massacre. It's like this is the best line. Did you hear that line? This is the best line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe don't do do quite like that. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, anything else you want to say on uh, Galhus 41? No, I don't think so. It, it's, uh, it, yeah, kind of follows a similar sort of trajectory of shitty men do shitty things to our heroine and mm-hmm. some other jailhouse ladies and yep. shenanigans ensue and shenanigans do revenge ensue. happens and a lot of shitty men get a lot of uh, stuff they have coming to them mm. arrive in full force and it's beautiful. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I'd say that that's a... Dude, I don't like, want to spoil anything. Like I said, I thought this was my favorite of the series. Mm. Um, I think the idea was the most compelling to me. Yeah, but, girl, I watched them, girl gang I watched of... them all in one go, right. like over the span of a couple days. Yeah. Um, so I think the first one's still my favorite after the, doing rewatches and all that stuff. But this is the one that really, like, the concept, like, really stuck out to me. Because, you know, they're, they're women in prison films. You watch so many at once. They <laughs> start to bleed together totally. a little bit. Um, so this one kind of has a really nice divergence from that. Mm, that's true. That's a good point, yeah. There's a, most of it actually is not spent in the prison. Yeah. But they're still prisoners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, next week, we have a very special episode for you. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but we've been excited for this episode for a long time. Pretty much since we started the we podcast. We have been counting down. Counting yeah. up? Counting to it. Counting to it. And, uh... That's not an indication of the quality of what we're watching. This is no. probably going to be a slog of a week to get through in many ways. <laughs> yeah. But I am excited for this episode, especially given certain aspects of movies we've talked about before. <laughs> uh, but yes. to keep you in suspense, we'll, you'll just have to, if you haven't guessed already, you'll yeah, just have to Yeah, in case you can tell week. by that little clue that I, that I dropped. Yeah. If, you, if you're not sure, go back and listen for the, the tone of my voice. Yes. I feel like I made it pretty obvious. But no, that episode will be real nice, so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be so it. nice. Uh, until then, take it easy and keep it sleazy. <laughs>